Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a suitable substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any health-related decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluids, sex, and other (laughs) real-life scenarios that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Get used to it. Uh I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Welcome to the Perimena Podcast. Today's episode, it's spicy. Suzanne, mm. we're going to do a start our mini series about Oof. sex. More, more specifically, your lack of interest in it, or potentially your brain says yes and your body says no. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reiterate from the, from the announcement I just made a moment ago, we are going to get into this. So our language might get crude. I mean, you know how I love me some muff bombs, <laughs> but also... Here's the thing. You've been warned. We're going to talk about it. But then here's what another ask that we would make for this particular episode. Invite your partner to listen to this episode too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's certainly solo sex, but the, a lot of the sex that we're going to be focusing on is partnered sex. Mm-hmm. And lack of communication is a huge component in bad sex. If you both listen to this, maybe it's going to be easier to talk about what's going on and get to the heart of the problem. Absolutely. This is a great intro, isn't it? To a good conversation about what you like, what you don't like, what's bothering you, why your libido might be bad. So we're going to give you lots of topics to talk about in regards to what might be happening with your libido. So, and I, I'm so excited for this topic, Becca, because I know that you're just going to really love it. I can't wait for to hear what you have to say with all I'm going to lay on about why things are changing in menopause and my, why things might've been changing up until menopause and why they change far after menopause too. So, so it's like across the, the, a woman's lifespan practically, you know, and I think all women can relate to at some point being, having a lower sex drive than other times, Right. Because there's so many things. It ebbs and flows, right? Right. And it has to do with your mind and your body and your emotions and your stress level. Uh, So there's so many things that come into play. And that is what is happening for women in menopause, too. It's that perfect storm of declining sex drive that's very biologic, so very hormonal, having increased pain with intercourse, and that stinks, right? I mean, it's terrible to have painful sex and loss of sleep, increased stress from that lack of sleep and brain fog, trying to juggle everything like you had been doing before, trying to figure out what you can cut out. All of these play into your sex drive, really. So it's a big topic because any one of these factors can decrease your libido all by themselves. And for many women, it's lots of things happening at the same time, right? I mean, more than exactly. one typically. I mean, 
Now this whole series, we're on what, episode 20 at this point. And so we have done at least 16 episodes that just talk about symptoms. Any one of which could throw your sex drive out the window. Mm -hmm. Combine three or four or 10 together. And it is no wonder why it's like, hey, baby, you want to get it on? It's like, no. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's complicated to review as we enter perimenopause, even during that rocky 10 years prior to your last period. Women have decreased ovarian function, so they have decreased free testosterone levels. So you heard that right. Women make small amounts of testosterone, and we've talked about that in regards to skin and hair and acne. But that well, what's what's free testosterone? Yeah, right. So free is (laughs) right. What paid testosterone? Right. (laughs) Yes. Hymns can help you. Yeah, that's right. It's so lucky that we have this. We don't have to pay for it. Free testosterone. But what that actually means is the testosterone that's not binding to sex hormone binding globulin, which is this 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 sinister protein that kind of circulates around in your bloodstream, and it actually uh, testosterone tends to hang on to it. So a lot of times, if you get did you call it sinister? Sinister, <laughs> yes, because it's it's <laughs> binding all of our good hormones, and uh, I think just kind of holding them in a sink of sorts or a storage of sorts. But it makes them not effective, and the one that that's effective is free oh. testosterone. So when you when you get tests back, you'll see total testosterone, free testosterone, sex hormone binding globulin, and all of it is is needs to be looked at, or especially free testosterone to try to decide whether you really have low testosterone or not. So uh, low T, low T. Do women have low T too? Yes. I'm pretty sure that's just a marketing phrase they do, to get men though. to buy supplements. But <laughs> do women have low T? We do, we do. And testosterone, <laughs> it's really good for libido, but it's also good for muscles, even in women too. So, so it's good for that. Uh, it tends to be one that is interesting in how it affects kind of emo- us emotionally, maybe making us a little more angry at times. We talked about, so testosterone's one thing. We've also talked about already how the bladder and vaginal tissues atrophy with decreasing estrogen. So you get thinning Uh of the skin of the lining of the vagina and just on the outside of the vaginal opening. There might even be tearing of the mucosa um, with that decreasing estrogen. And that affects libido. Uh, Finally, any stress at any time can decrease libido because... Really, it's that it's part of that rest and digest part of our nervous system, that parasympathetic system. So if you're burning the candle at both ends and you don't have any opportunity for downtime and relaxation, uh, then you're going to have you're not going to be set up in that relaxation response automatically. That coupled with okay, wait, 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 yeah. wait. Okay, so let's see. <laughs> Let me just review because you've just. Put a lot mm-hmm. out there. My testosterone levels are also dropping. Mm-hmm. The free one that actually gets me going is probably m- might be gobbled up by something mm-hmm. else. And so I have less free testosterone. Mm-hmm. And then, like we talked about, I could be having a bladder problem. My vagina is tearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pain. Because, you know, painful sex is always something that somebody wants to do. Um, and then stress also reduces my ability to want sex. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, I am burning the candles at both ends. I may have children. I may have a parent. 
both of who require my attention. And then somebody wants to have sex with me. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Right. All right, yeah. Sign me up. Right. And oh, one other little thing I want to throw in there. There's a this trauma response that women have too, which... Uh, which it kind of comes from living in the society where we're objectified. We might have experienced trauma related to sexual relations, uh, or we might have been raped at one point. Uh, so trauma, which might include painful sex, you're and you know at times uh, that you that you allowed to continue to happen or was happening to you, that results in spasm in the vaginal area of muscles. Uh, and can worsen dryness, so because you're not you're you don't you're not having that parasympathetic response that's lubricating all those tissues very well. So so that also affects your ability to enjoy having sex or pene- penetration with sex, especially. Okay, I just I literally feel like crying right now because <laughs> it just <laughs> oh, it's a it lot, just... isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's actually a miracle if we are having sex, right? Right. I mean, compared, thinking about all the things that kind of have to be lined Mm -hmm. up to have any decent sex, and then to know how much is up up against you. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Right. Yeah. It's surprising it doesn't, it happens any more than than a a total eclipse. That's right. (laughs) Things have to be perfectly aligned. (laughs) (laughs) There was recently a total eclipse uh, I know, right. No, so I hopefully people took the, the hint. <laughs> yeah. So very complicated topic, and more than likely, yeah. we talked about each uh, each woman probably has several factors going on at the same time. So you want to be honest with yourself and what you're feeling, and and try to identify those things specifically. Is it pain? Are you feeling anxious when you're having sex? Do you just not feel like having sex at all? Is it too busy for you uh, in your day to day? It's so it, it might be you might not even notice all the things. Uh, it might be helpful to involve your partner in this conversation as well, uh, since a lot of our our habits around sex are things that have been going on a long time and we may not notice that we're doing them. Can I just say, I recently read the most interesting article about touch and it was, there was this idea, especially for people who have been coupled for quite some time, that there is this touch thing that a partner will do and it's supposed to be like the precursor to sex. It's like, hey, I just touched your butt Mm. and so let's have sex. And for some people who are going through some of these things, that touch is so negative now. Mm. And it is and it is associated with something I don't want or something that's painful for mm. me or something where my brain is not involved. And it's and it's mm. crazy. And they talked about the need to really readdress some of those things that used to be a turn on back in the day that have now turned into this. Ugh, they practically creep you out when your partner touches you like mm-hmm. this. And I'm, I was stunned, mm-hmm. stunned to read that in our, in our blog, I will include the link uh, to that article. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That, that some, sometimes just that all those associations with sex can be, turn it into a negative experience. And, and that can sometimes be hard to uh, overcome. But we're going to talk about many ways that you can try to do that with your partner. So like you said, and you, we were talking about, it's a two-way street involving another very complicated human 
who may also be having their issues with uh, maybe the impotence or having a hard time ejaculating, uh, maybe having trouble with their prostate, or uh, maybe it's a woman also who doesn't have a libido as well. So you want to start working through these issues openly and gracefully with your partner. Because that, that'll help you both reap benefits it, it, because it's so complicated, kind of taking things one by one. And sometimes that means also having a counselor who's uh, experienced in therapy, so sex therapy. Mm. So, so, um, yep. so it can be really complicated. So I feel like True. the easiest thing to start with is really the, the libido hormone, testosterone, you know, kind of talking about that, how it might affect things. Uh, it's just the most straightforward. We can measure it. It's low. We can replace it. <laughs> so, so that one is, seems <laughs> that, like the least I complicated. Like straightforward yeah. like that. <laughs> yep. So it's a hormone that's secreted in different surges throughout our lifetime. So you might've noticed in your early twenties, you had crazy sex drive and probably like times where you had increased acne, like in your, throughout your twenties, kind of in bouts, um, that is probably times you're making a testosterone surge. So men also experience this during adolescence. So that's part. Oh, you think? Yeah, right. <laughs> part of the reason for that crazy sex drive and their acne too. Uh, also increased nighttime erections, increased muscle growth. Um, and as a woman gets older, this hormone typically decreases and production stops dramatically with menopause because it's another hormone made by the ovaries. Uh, it increases 70% during pregnancy, which ironically right. increases sex drive during pregnancy, which I'm not exactly why? sure why. I know. <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, so let's see, you're pregnant. You can't get more pregnant. So you'll want sex more often. It doesn't Very seem to be an evolutionary advantage, does it? The only thing I could yeah. think of is that maybe the drop afterwards causes this decreased sex drive. So that's part of how it might decrease libido and, and maybe help provide a little bit of uh, some birth control in between having different, having babies, just thinking about evolutionary uh, reasons for okay. why this might be happening. So uh, testosterone, it can be tested for easily in a blood test. We can also do a salivary test too. Blood tests, I think, work just fine. It can be supplemented and that might help libido and increase, it might also increase clitoris growth. Uh, which is an organ located in the front. Uh, if you don't know where it is, it's kind of on the, the front part of the vagina, right where the labia is. Like a muscle? You can grow it with testosterone uh, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who knew? Right. Okay. Who knew? I mean, a beard comes with that probably. Right. But well, and, and <laughs> how bad do you want it? <laughs> right. Uh, and that might help you with an orgasm. So that's uh, that might be a reason for that. Might. Yeah, yeah, it could potentially. So we'll talk about that more testosterone supplementation with uh, with what I could do about it section. The one ironic thing is that some of our recommended treatment options for menopause that we've already talked about might actually decrease libido. So they might be happen helping other things, but actually hurting libido. And one of those are the antidepressant class of pills uh, that we had talked about for helping hot flashes. So those SSRI types of medications are actually known to decrease libido. So Yeah, and just yesterday, literally, I listened to a podcast about, it was an article that was read about uh, doing some research 
about people who just when they started taking those SSRI uh, antidepressants, not just a little decrease in libido. I mean, like falling off the chart um, and no capability to have sex at all. And then when they quit that antidepressant, the that still lingered. Mm. It was it was it was heartbreaking to listen to these people. Um, who had been taking them in their 20s and they're in their 30s and they still have no libido, mm-hmm. no interest in sex. They talked about just just horrific uh, side effects of some of the antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially in but regards to libido. That's good news for those of you right. on and, and it might be also affecting the your other partner too who might be on an SSRI or an antidepressant. So they may also have decreased libido. So so that because they're on that that kind of medication. So that's something that you guys you guys both might want to think about of how how are there other types of medicines that might be taken that don't affect libido quite as much? So the other thing that we give you with, with usually with a, a menopause is supplemental estrogen, and that can actually cause your body to produce sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG is what we also can call it, and that actually binds that testosterone. So we talked about that that uh, sinister uh, ho- protein that's it that's the one uh and of course it does wait 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 so, so you're telling me that if i if i'm on estrogen replacement therapy there's a chance that it increases my sex hormone binding globulin which grabs testosterone right my body. yep so it take gets rid of that some of that free testosterone you might still have circulating around so that actually okay. means there's less effective testosterone and your treatment is binding up what you have so pay attention uh, if you notice that you have less sex drive that happened just right after taking estrogen supplementation, because then you know for sure that that was definitely part of the culprit and adding a little testosterone in will be helpful. Another okay. one, uh, birth control pills, because they're estrogen as well. Uh, those that you might be using for crime scene periods, we talked about at the very first episode, right. all 20 episodes ago. Um, so those might also be affecting your libido too. So so keep those things in mind and we can supplement it and we'll talk about that in the next section. Talk okay, so about the straight hormones. That's the straight up hormones yeah, chemical. Yeah, the testosterone alone. Things. And then we talked a little right. bit in the intro about how those hormones also affect all those pelvic organs, right? And our, we also talked about it in bladder health, that lower estrogen and testosterone in perimenopause causes a vaginal wall thinning, perineum thinning and tearing and the clitoris to get smaller. So estrogen is extremely important for keeping that vaginal wall stretchy, um, pink, moist, which all help make penetration more enjoyable, of course. Uh, so if a woman has developed the thinning or vaginal atrophy of the lining of the uterus, this may also make small tears in around the vaginal area. Um, and making sex very painful. So, oh wait, 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 wait! Stop right there. Ugh. Okay, so really, estrogen—the only thing that's going to make thick, <laughs> thin on me—is my. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Great. That's really nice to mm-hmm. hear. Okay, but let me just repeat this for a women who don't know why it hurts not to have sex, mm-hmm. and b men who are like, I don't know why it used to be fine, but now she's complaining. Mm-hmm. Um, so the vaginal wall is not thick anymore. Mm-hmm. 
and it's drier. Mm-hmm. And so what happens during penetration is it's like wrap a, you know, wrap a piece of sandpaper around it. Yeah. And then start rubbing. Right. And it causes tears mm-hmm. in my vagina. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, and if you've ever had small cuts like around your mouth, uh, or if you ever had a bad yeast infection, it feels kind of like that, like a lot of little tiny microscopic cuts or big cuts. Sometimes they'll be big enough cuts that there's a little bit of bleeding. So, so oh that's uh, that definitely makes it more painful. And when it whenever sex is painful, it causes blood, the vaginal wall to spasm, and that results in even hard, a harder time with penetration. Uh, so we call that reflex wall spasming vaginismus. I thought you would love that word. Vaginismus. It sounds like the isthmus, the isthmus of vaginismus. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Vaginismus. Sorry. (laughs) Such a dork. You know, it's funny. I was, so as you can tell, I read a lot of stuff and, you know, some of it, I don't know if it's true, but a lot of things seem to, seem to make sense. And one of the interesting things I just read recently, too, was it was like eight myths that um, sex therapists wish would go away. And one of them was that, pa- that sex should be painful. And oh, like, my Who goodness. Who the hell thinks this? Who the hell thinks this? Because mm. sex should not be painful. Hard stop. Mm-hmm. And I do mean hard. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but that's awful. Mm-hmm. Right. So you might be, you have those small tears and maybe you've gotten into a cycle. You didn't know there was anything you could do about it. You know, you've tried maybe a few lubricants. They didn't work that well. You know, it seems like you end up with a tear each time that takes forever to heal. You've also developed this vaginismus. It's been going on for a long time. Then that's really can be hard to treat, but we do have ways to treat it. Uh, if you've had traumatic sex, like we talked about, like I was talking about before, like like rape or incest or just bad lubrication, you'll get that 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 involuntary reflex involving your nervous system, and it's really hard to treat. But we'll talk about it a little bit more later. The next is the most complicated part of the libido, which is our brains, women's brains. It's such a big important part of of uh, our sexuality and our sex drive. I'm going to do a public service announcement right here for anybody, men specifically but certainly women as well every woman starts with sex in their brain your brain has to turn on before your body follows Mm -hmm. the i mean the whole movie situation where i see you and we fuck very rare Mm -hmm. (laughs) and even then it's a brain thing Mm -hmm. right you know the idea that it's a tuesday evening and all of a sudden i'm gonna you know it's gonna happen because because it happens spontaneously so rare Mm -hmm. I got to clear so much shit out of my head before I can even think about having sex. I mean, I would love to pretend that I was as spontaneous and interested as I was when I was 20 and had hormones, but I'm not. And I got to get in the right headspace before anything is even going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. It's a, and when we think about it scientifically, it's that relaxation part of our, our nervous system in, in action. So when, when we're learning as medical people, providers about this system, we think about a date night scene. So because we know so much of it, of that system is related to kind of rest and digest. Uh, so there's low lights at the candle that dilate. So it's pupils dilating as a parasympathetic response, 
heart rate low, respiratory rate low, eating and digestion happening, secretions of different gastric juices, all our salivary juices is occurring, and our sex organs are getting stimulated. So so date night scene is almost all the parasympathetic relaxation response, which is, which is completely <laughs> so opposite real. right, of what we usually are doing, which is like, oh, hell, that car almost hit uh, hit me. How am I going to get home on time or to this appointment on time? And how am I going to juggle all these things? You know, that that it, that's that sympathetic system. So that's usually high tone. Plus also all the caffeine we drink, that also makes us feel like, ooh, we're on, we're on, we're on. We got to get stuff done. We got to be focused. So so we're, we like to be productive in American society and we don't give that parasympathetic system enough chance to, to be tonified uh, with relaxation. So yep. so it's a balancing act between this relaxation system and the fight or flight system. Uh, and if you're always under stress, you know, you won't have that tone. So I remember, and as here's an example, when my kids were little and I was a hardworking doctor. Uh, so, I mean, I was extremely busy, right? There was when I, by the time I got to bed at nine o'clock at night, which is kind of early, 9.30, you know, usually kids take some time to get to sleep. There was, I was exhausted. There was no time for or any relaxation time to ease into wanting to have sex. So it was, I, my husband, of course, you know, it was, he was kind of disgruntled. We weren't having sex as often as he would like. And he heard this great, uh, radio show. So this is before podcast called sex begins in the kitchen. And it was a, that's what it was called. Sex begins in the kitchen. And it was a game changer for us. Right. He realized with this, so that meant that you, that you should have sex in the kitchen, right? (laughs) Switch up your locations. Is that what that meant? No more bedroom. Right. She wants sex in the kitchen. No, no, no. That I know it would seem like that might be it. Huh? But what he realized is that the, what the, the interviewer said is that, well, look, uh, you know, some of what helps a woman to be want to have sex is having things done, you know, this endless job of taking care of the house, cooking, cleaning, taking care of kids. And I'm, I mean, remember, this is, we're talking about 30 years ago. I feel like some of that role, has, role reversal has been happening somewhat, although it does seem like for some women, we just end up working, but we're still also doing the house care. And I, and I think that some men are taking on more and more of that, but uh, at the time that wasn't happening quite as much. So he, he thought, okay, right. If I take some of the the role or the job of taking care of the house and kids away from her, maybe she'll have more interest in having sex at night. So he knew it was a busy balancing act of kid care, housework. Uh, so he he thought maybe I can help out. So sure enough, uh, it helped a lot. I mean, definitely by the end of the day, <laughs> I'm not so exhausted. I can't believe things are getting done. It was like, it was the sexiest thing ever to watch him do dishes, uh, or sweep the floor. <laughs> it's so sexy. I mean, don't underestimate right. that uh, to all the dads you listening are- or husbands or, or, you know, it, who, or if you're another woman, remember who you, you know, maybe you're working more, remember that that housework, having you do it and help out is really, really going to be sexy. It, and it's not just that it's, it, you know, it's that it's, what is that called? Uh, my, my daughter and I were talking about it. It's called like psychological labor. 
It's all the stuff that women are constantly doing. And it's more than doing the dishes and cooking, but even though that's important, it's remembering to make the uh, the veterinary appointment. It's remembering to pack the sack lunch for the kids' school. It's remembering that it's your aunt's birthday. All that baggage that women carry around and think about on repeat, mm-hmm. it's all of that as well. Could you please just clean the bathroom without me asking you to? Right. God, is it so hard? Because that would be, if, if my man was scrubbing the bathroom, I would be turned on as hell. Right. Well, okay, here, I have to tell you, this is funny. You're going to like this. So since, since we last talked, because we like to talk a little bit about the podcast ahead of time, I had come out of the room and I said, Jay, I told Becca that story about how you had listened to that radio show, Sex Begins in the Kitchen. And when you started cleaning up around the house, it was just, it was so, such a turn on. It really helped to uh, help me be more into having sex. Do you remember that? He hadn't remembered it. (laughs) Okay. And what's funny is that that very week, just a couple days later, guess who had the toilet bowl scrubber out in the toilet bowl cleaner? (laughs) That would be my husband. (laughs) So it just, it it was so sexy. sexy. Oh my God. I'm like, put that toilet bowl cleaner away. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I so want to make a dirty joke here, but I'm moving. Yeah, right. I know you could with that. Couldn't you with that little picture? Yeah. So we talked about that. It's crazy. Our brains are changing during menopause as women too. We're having a hard time doing all this multitasking, this psychological uh, strain of as well that you're talking about of all the minutia. We're having brain fog. So we really can't even do it as well. So we can't juggle all those balls of midlife work and family. And we have less opportunity for relaxation uh, and to get exercised and develop. Uh, So so date nights are actually a little bit more crucial uh, in some ways, or relaxation time, especially together, whatever that might be. I mean, it doesn't have to be the quintessential date night. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe something besides watching TV, but something where you can, you know, that you both enjoy that that helps you kind of have some play time will be helpful. I think at the at the I think at the Ciotti, at the doctor's Ciotti house, that's like going on a hike. Yes, it is <laughs> or, for us. Or skiing or doing some <laughs> damn thing that makes you sweat. Yeah, it usually is something like that for us for sure. Like going on a bike ride, going on a hike for sure. Yeah, you bet. So giving yourself the permission hammers are much to relax. more laid back. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. We cook. Right. <laughs> well and then there in addition to this so that's complicated by itself there are many societal expectations that may be affecting a woman's libido and menopause so women are expected to look a certain way to be sexy right and we might even have that that expectation for ourselves as well so as we age we're seeing wrinkles we're seeing that belly fat we're so it makes us we might be feeling less sexy because of that and want to hide our bodies but you know what? I assure you that most men, especially, or women, if you're dating women, you know what? They're not thinking about that so much. They don't need you to be perfect. They love you the way that you are. And they're so excited to get close and naked with you and cuddle you up. So, so maybe, so, you know, that's one thing that can be a barrier or roadblock. You are so right. I, I guarantee you so many women 
are in their heads about the way their bodies look. And again, it's not, they don't expect to look like they did when they were 18 or 20 years old because they get that that's not an mm-hmm. option. But God, perimenopause is such a wreck mm-hmm. on you. And, you know, you it's that weight gain situation and everything's sagging. We've already talked about all of these things, but you put them together and you sure as hell don't look in the mirror and think, I look good, mm-hmm. right? You just, you see all these things and, and you're like, I would never want to have sex with me, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you my husband does. Yeah. He, he wants to have sex with me, not with you. <laughs> well, <laughs> Anyway, I mean, my, my husband loves me and remi- and I'm lucky because I am a woman whose husband constantly tells her, you're so beautiful, you're so sexy, you're so everything. And, and you know, he's, he's a toucher and I can't imagine trying to get turned on if I didn't have all that happening, mm-hmm. you know, pushing out those negative, that negative yeah. talk track in my head that says, Ugh. right. So that's where the partner comes in too, right? Where your sex partner comes in. So good, good to have them listening and paying attention and taking notes. So there's ways that you can help, uh, help for sure. This uh, libido help increase libido for both of you because it work. It's a two way street if you're thinking about it and and you're you're saying good things and and uh, and thinking about that other person. That's really a good way to help make that sexual experience even better and more satisfying. So uh, another part of it is like we're talking about the way that we look. So, uh, you know, a lot of times growing up, we've been objectified our whole lives, right? As women, Uh, we've, you know, we've had people talk about comment on our boobs or our butts or how we look in a bathing suit. So that's kind of how we've grown up. We see magazines with uh, women looking a certain way. So, so there's this little bit of like a feeling less inadequate that we've kind of grown up or maybe kind of a trauma response, like having somebody grope you or squeeze your butt around any kind of sexual activity. Like what you were saying about like touch might not feel as, as uh, welcoming or inviting. So so that might be something that set up this issue. But this issue. is this is strangers on the subway shit. Yeah, right. I mean, yes, exactly. Yeah, right. I've I've talked to way too many women who have been on public transportation and it was crowded and all of a sudden they felt hands all over them and I'm just like, yeah, oh, this is so not okay. Right, right. But still, all of that, all of that gets you don't just let that go, mm-hmm. right? I can stop thinking about it, but it is in my brain. And if you want to have sex with me, sometimes that's what rushes forward. Mm-hmm horrible. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's not something that you consented to. It might've made you worry that maybe that person was going to follow you, set you up for a trauma response of some sort, you know, because it's a stranger who feels like they have access to your sexual organs and body. So that sets you up for having anxiety around sexual activity, kind of that's, that's, that's happening automatically. That's happening without you even realizing. Um, so that will make it a little more of a challenge to, in your, uh, at menopausal years to have kind of unpainful, uh, wonderful sexual activity. I know we've dedicated a lot of this to talking about the real hormonal reason, the real, uh, testosterone, your estrogen, your body, the, the things that are happening to you as you age. But I don't think that we can divorce what's happening socially mm. with our sex, mm-hmm. with sex, with having sex, mm-hmm. with whomever I want to have sex with, whenever I want to have sex. A lot of things are changing. And again, we are not so one-dimensional mm-hmm. that it's just down to hormones. It's hormones, but remember, we start in our brains. Mm-hmm. And when all this is coming at us, it's going to impact mm-hmm. us. Right. 
Right. That's and, you know, so, so talk, keep talking about it because there's probably layers to the onion, you know, that you need to delve into. You might realize, okay, sex is painful, but then there's also this other part that you can come to know and to face. And the sooner you face it, the better it is. So, uh, you know, that the less scary it is, the less anxiety you'll have about it. Uh, and it may take, uh, having a counselor or professional help you with that. And definitely your partner, uh, should be part of that conversation or can be part of that conversation as well. So yeah, yeah, it's a complicated issue and, and it's time to take back your right to a fabulous, satisfying sex life as you age. Cause you can, you can have great sex as you get older. Yeah. Yep. Maybe you can even have better sex as you get older because now you're wiser. You know what you like. You know what you dislike. You're not afraid of, of what you might do. You know what, what kind of ha- helps you to have an orgasm in your sexual relations. So I think, you know, your partner is going to enjoy exploring this with you too. So talk about it. Trust me. And I think that that's part of it too, right? Women of a certain age, once we have understood who we are, um, that I, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm not the child I was. I'm not the young woman I was. I'm a grown-ass adult, and I know a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And one of them is what I like. Mm-hmm. And right. I also, as you can tell, know exactly how to express myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, the idea that I know what I like you know, my husband and I, we know what we like. And it's easy. It's so much easier to have great sex that mm-hmm. way. Right. Yeah. Absolutely worth it to to be trying to work on it with somebody because in the long run, the more that you work on it, the better the sex will be. So, so that's great. Oh, and then there's one other thing I forgot to mention. If your partner is a man in his 50s and your sex life is on the brink, it might be influenced by his decreased testosterone level. There is this condition called male menopause that can, tends to start in the late 40s, 50s for men where they start... Really? Yes, where they may be making less and less testosterone. So sometimes what we'll do is we'll treat men with testosterone as well. Uh, that will end up helping libido and energy and muscles and uh, uh, can be very helpful because the testicles tend to make less and less testosterone as a man ages. And you know what? I'm, I'm just going to say too is that I feel sorry for men. And because here's why is, I mean, women, if they're, if they're, in, if they're experiencing some sort of quote, sexual quote dysfunction, nobody's talking about it, right? It's kind of a suck it up buttercup or just don't have sex. Mm. But I swear, how difficult would it be to be a man? You can't watch a football game. You can't watch a sporting event. You can't watch ESPN without every other ad telling you that you have to fix your erectile dysfunction. Right. And if your dick is a uh, curve like a carrot or correct the, mm. <laughs> connect, correct the banana or something yeah. like that. It's, I mean, you have to be the perfect male specimen, mm. right? You have to be able to constantly get it up. You constantly have to be providing pleasure and I feel sorry for them. I mean, if if women are one end of the spectrum where nobody gives a shit about their libido and their ability to have sex, men are the exact opposite, saying that if you're not having sex every 15 minutes, start taking some blue pills, Mm -hmm. start taking some... something Mm -hmm. you know you are broken if you can't have sex as a man or if you have you know premature ejaculation or you know none at all or uh so i I mean this ain't a show about men's problems but i i recognize how much societal pressure is put Mm -hmm. on men 
uh, in that area. Right. And it it can definitely influence like, you know, if if the man is feeling anxious about uh, if they're going to be able to maintain an erection or not, that's that's not the rest and digest system. That's the fight or flight system. (laughs) And that's going to affect their ability to maintain their erection, too. So so it can be complicated. It's it's something that that, you know, each person has to work through together and, uh, and, but, and you sure can. And there's other, like with men too, and with women too, there's some other conditions that might affect medical conditions that can affect your ability to have an erection, like high blood pressure. If you're having prostate issues that might negatively affect libido, there might be medicines. We talked about some of the SSRIs that might do it, but sometimes some of the blood pressure medicines might actually affect, uh, like ability for, to have an erection or sex drive. So just keep in mind, there's a two-way street. There's there, you know, your man is probably not quite the same testosterone level as they were in their teens. And you're also experiencing lower hormones. But if you work on it, which maybe we take for granted in our teens and twenties that everything is, it just happens automatically. But if you work on it, it will definitely pay off in the long run. Suzanne, I completely agree with you. We obviously have a lot to say about this topic. And I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but we have decided to put this into a two-part, part one and a part two. We've talked today about so many reasons why, you know, you're having issues with sex, whether it's you don't want it or maybe physically you're struggling with it. Maybe your partner's having some issues with it. Um, so we've talked about all those things today. But next week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, obviously, solutions. You have known us as solution-oriented women, as most women are. And we, we are going to t- tell you why this is not something, if you don't want to change this, if you don't want to live with this forever, you can do things about it. And so come back next week, listen to us as we continue to talk about sex and perimenopause and uh, solutions and how to have some great sex. Questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at the Perry Menno Podcast at gmail.com.